0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Asian Americans. Today we've got a really great show. Uh, my second interview with child psychiatrist, Dr. Jang Cho. And this time we talk a lot more about how we can support our children and ourselves uh, during these challenging times. And today I want to highlight Olive Collection. That's collection with a K. It's an online Korean beauty store. They've got a lot of great stuff. Uh, K-beauty, masks, lotions, You name it, they have it. They also have some hand sanitizer that they're selling. So go check them out. It's olivecollection.com. Again, that's collection with a K. They're shipping right now from Orange County. They have some great stuff in stock. We're also doing a giveaway. So check the Instagram post of this episode. Let's support our fellow Asian American friends and their businesses so we can make sure that their businesses stay open long after this is gone. To Jason and Christina, thanks for what you guys are doing. And now to my conversation with Dr. Jang Cho. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Dear Asian Americans. I uh, can't believe it's only been a month since I started this, but we have our very, very first return guest. Um, so, on episode 12, uh, we talked to Dr. Cho, a child psychiatrist from Washington, about a lot of the interfamily and intergenerational uh, topics and challenges that we are going through. And perhaps it was a representation of the things that I was going through in my life. But a lot of the questions that we had uh, talked about or things that I asked had to do with more of going up in the generational chain of how do we as adult children have tough and challenging conversations with our parents. And then I got some very good listener feedback, uh, particularly from my wife. And she (laughs) said, why didn't you ask about how to deal with our kids? So said that's a fantastic idea. Um, asked around to our network and our friends and decided, yes, if you have access to a child psychiatrist, perhaps you should ask about children. So uh, thank you, Dr. Cho, for making the time on very short notice to come back and uh, have this conversation with us.
1: Thank you for inviting me back.
0: (laughs) Um, Um, Yeah, Sure.
1: Um, well, thank you for inviting me back. It's been really good to um, uh, participate in this podcast. And um, this is much, uh, ca- I mean, it's still serious, but lighter topic and a more, more um, comfortable topic sure. for me. <laughs> so I
0: mean, sure. It, I mean, dealing with kids might actually be the most stressful topic uh, right now for, for many, many parents across the country. Uh, school districts have yeah. shut down. Colleges have closed. So, you know, whether you are dealing with a three-year-old preschool kid as I am at home or many of my other, you know, older friends who have high school teenagers going through puberty and all sorts of other fun things and college kids who are, were used to uh, complete independence now living back under the roof of their parents' homes. And so, um, you know, we want to talk about a lot of the things that I think are generally acceptable or generally applicable to a lot of our moms and dads out there and also to our caretakers, our grandparents, um, And and so let's start with the general topic of, you know, and maybe we can just, I know it's not exact science, but perhaps, you know, half the question towards younger parents and maybe the other half to uh, parents who are, uh, have children in the teenage and in sort of the college bucket. Um, So for the younger kids who are just genuinely confused, why don't I get to go out? Why is school canceled? Um, How do you explain what is going on to a three, four, five-year-old?
1: So yes, so th- this topic of how to explain um, what is going on and what, what a pandemic is, what a virus is, is very difficult um, because we never had to do that. Um, but um, it really depends on the age group. So for the preschoolers, before kindergartners, um, there's it's going to be a very hard concept uh, to uh, explain. But there are different. Um, ways to do it and you can use a lot of pictures and a lot of um kind of animations um and i'm i'm gonna probably uh, provide some uh resources online resources that i found that are very uh helpful to jerry but for the preschool kids all age groups the the key to understanding virus and what, the, what is going on is to kind of be at their eye level, right? So for little three-year-olds to a five-year-old, you can talk about, well, there is something called virus, um, and that gives you illness, um, gets you sick, like cold. When you do have a cold, it means that you have um, a virus, and you start from there, and you can even have a, a picture of coronavirus there. I think there's, there's a lot of pictures floating around, and so that it's, it's something tangible, I think what you need to focus on with the, that age group, specific age group, is not about, well, well this gets you sick, but um, about, well, what makes you not get it, right? So, because that's what you really want, right? You want them to be uh, washing their hands. Um, you know, uh, when they're coughing, you're, you're not using your hands, you're actually using your elbows. So these are the things that you can do. Um, and you can talk to them, but also, again, using a lot of like um, visuals are going to be really important for these kids. So you can use a lot of pictures, but there are a lot of animations. Um, Baby Shark actually came out with a um, new song that is uh, for the washing hands. Okay. Um, so that that's something that you can use for this age group. Um, very practical. (laughs) But it is very helpful. Um, And in terms of kind of um, looking at it, we were looking at the resources for these uh, type of um, age group. And uh, there are different resources, especially in different languages. So Koreans actually have the Asian, the baby shark songs, but Vietnamese songs are out there actually, um, about how to wash hands for little kids. And that's been kind kind of like the national... Um, thing and it's been really big and I think that those are the kind of things that you will have to do with little ones under um, kindergarten.
0: My kid, especially we you know we're now on week four I think four three or four um, we're, we're losing track of time here as well um, mm-hmm. and, and so you know we, we've set up uh, Zoom conference calls or Zoom meetings with his friends over breakfast, at least to have some sort of normalcy. But, you know, there are lingering questions of, you know, I want to go see this friend and that friend. And, and I sense that there is a little bit of all this is my fault. You know, like I must have done something wrong and therefore I don't get to see my friends. What, what is the right response there?
1: So that's actually a very typical three to five-year-old kid response. Um, They're very egocentric developmentally. So anything um, bad or good um, happens because of them. So, um, and, uh, you know, and this happens with everything. You know, my parents got divorced because of me or, um, and not just because of me, it's more like I didn't brush my teeth one night and that's what happens. Stuff like that. Um, so it's actually, you bring up a really, really good point because I think that um, a lot of kids will have this concept of p- things, bad things are happening in the world because of me. Um, and that is something that we take it very seriously. So you, um, in order to kind of, and it, uh, kids don't really verbalize it a lot unless you actually coax them out. So you can actually have an o- open conversation with your child and be like, uh, you know, you don't have to say, well, do you think this way? But you can talk about why this happens. It just happens. And, you know, um, you have to focus on um, what to help contain this and what is your role in it as a child. Um, so focusing on safety and to also let them know that, yes, you can get sick, but most kids actually do really well and you will have some cold or flu symptoms, but a lot of the kids actually can bounce back very well and that's one of the reasons that it's okay for you to um, be around here. Um, but you don't want to get other kids get sick. So that's kind of the things that you have to talk to them about.
0: Okay, Awesome. Thank you. And on, on the topic of kids being at home, and this is a topic that I think starts maybe with three-year-olds and all the way up is how do you, <laughs> how, how do you keep them engaged or how do to keep them entertained? Um, many folks are all of a sudden working at home. Uh, many, many companies have been accommodating and understanding. Unfortunately, some are not. Um, so they are still being expected to be on conference calls or be, you know, uh, video on sound on and, you know, whether you're a single parent or a double parent, it doesn't make, you know, a whole lot of difference. And it is really, really hard to balance uh, children when there are things that are expected of you. So um, parents are constantly having to, you know, fill that void and tremendous guilt over that. But screen time, the easiest thing, I think that a lot of us as parents, we just go, hey, here's your iPad, go do something. Um, you know, we have Netflix, Disney Plus, just about everything, just to have a variety of options. Um, but share with us kind of your you know, thoughts on, is temporary free-for-all screen time okay, just to help us get through this, especially now knowing that in many states, schools are canceled for the rest of the year, school year. So we're looking at at least two or three more months of this. And if we have to do screen time, um, what are some alternative types of things that we can show them Rather than frozen for the fiftieth time this week.
1: Well, I do have to say we've been watching Rapunzel daily for the past six days. So, <laughs> um, so I think um, you know it just is. This is an extraordinary time. And extraordinary times sometimes call for extraordinary measures. Actual recommendation uh, for screen timing, uh, according to American uh, Pediatrics Association, is zero under three. <laughs> That's not happening. <laughs> so I think I, I think there are multiple uh, things hap- uh, in that question. So number one is. Um, having a routine in, in your life and in the child's life, it's going to be very important, no matter what the age, age group is. Um, so we talked about how days kind of blend in uh, for, uh, even for us, but for children, I think it's even worse. Um, and the younger they are, it's going to be even worse because they, they don't really have a lot of concept of time. So um, having, you know, getting up and getting washed and, um, Getting out of your pajamas, even though you're not leaving the house, um, those are really, really important. Also, um, just it doesn't have to be a very regimented schedule, but you do have to have some schedule like, you know, uh, snack time, meal time, um, exercise time, very important. Um, And so, those are the things that you can loosely kind of attract them. Uh, And for little ones, you can have the visuals actually, um, you can draw them. With, with the child, so that they feel like they're actually participating in them and it helps them to um, be more involved and be more compliant. Even for teenagers, I think you can talk to them. I mean, you know, you can't make them do it, but you can actually um, talk about what they think might be helpful for them, right? Uh, to go through this really hard time and what do you think is going to be helping for you, and then go, start from there. Um, because that really motivates some teenagers to, um, it's important for them to come up with ideas first, right? And so, and so that's kind of the things that are happening. For for the little ones, for the um, screen time, um, like I said, you know, we, we've been watching movies every day. But I, I do think that um, there's got to be a, some kind of rules around that, some little boundaries. So you can't be, on the screen all day long. Not only because it's um, not good for you, but it really makes the kids very irritable at the end of the day. And that's not good for the parents either. (laughs) So um, you can um, delineate, make a rule, right? And um, have them hear the rules. So for example, well, before you can get on the TV or screen or your PS4, um, these are the things that need to be done. And it doesn't have to be all five of the things that need to be done, but you need to at least check three out of five boxes, then you can have certain amount of screen time. And it can be definitely more than what most kids used to have, because it is extraordinary time and they do need time to relax. And you know, we're taking away their peers and that's so important on all age groups, including teenagers, sometimes way more for the teenagers. And so you do have to have that. Um, I, think, I think having the boundaries and a little bit of uh, rules that are very well known to the child, just giving them structure is very important, even though initially it might be difficult um, because especially for people who are anxious, You have to know your rules in order to feel less anxious, even though they might not like the rules itself. It gives them something to rely on.
0: How young is too young? You you talked about having mutual understanding between kids and and parents and, uh, might be a good, good time to introduce the idea of a family contract or something where, you know, both sides can contribute and let's mutually agree mom and dad and whoever else is in the household agree too. Is there uh, – I can't imagine my three-year-old agreeing to any of the rules or, you know, <laughs> contributing to it. So I ask, um, like, what, well, what is the right age?
1: Well, I think actually the three, three is actually a good, a good time. It, is it's it? not okay. – yeah, it's not going to be called contract. Right. <laughs> um, but it's going to be something that you come up with, right? So you talk with the child and say, like, you know, at this time we're going to have dinner. Um, at this time you're going to have snack. Um, and in order to do these things um, and it's going to be very simple and it, um, it can be a kind of a reward chart and you can, right. you can have a visual and, a, uh, and kids can make the visual chart with you at three years old, um, you know, they can right. put a stickers on and it's similar to kind of like potty training chart (laughs) um but it's also it's really helpful for the kids to have some kind of a a sense of accomplishment at the end of the day too right because if you're late as an adult i guess it feels good to like do nothing for the day but at the end of the day you're like oh i really haven't done anything and it really kind of is crappy it's the same same with the kiddos so they have to feel like they've done something in their uh in their days to make it feel better especially because a lot of kids are not in school and that they really don't have um any kind of accomplishments that they need to do um so accomplishments don't have to be anything big it could be like well uh, for three-year-olds like you it could be like um picking up your toys at the end of the day Right. And it can be done with the uh, parent. But when you do it and you put a sticker on, um, at the end of the day, you can have a reward after you make three out of five, and it could be screen time. Um, For most elementary school kids, it would be a screen time. That's the biggest reward. Um, For little ones, like three to five-year-olds, sometimes it's like um, undivided attention from parents for about 15 minutes. (laughs) So you're playing with no siblings you know it's just you and me and we're gonna do what you want to do and i think that really makes a big deal for little little ones
0: thank you um let's talk about older kids for a little bit um Mm -hmm. we we have heard very unfortunately that parents are sometimes giving in even being accomplices to help you know helping friends still hang out with each other because you know um it's tough. And so, you know, obviously no judgment and everybody's going through difficult times, but you know, that's dangerous at this point and um, really detriment, or I guess opposite of what we're trying to achieve. And for college students, I mean, they're legally adults, right? They used to live their own lives. And in fact, I know some college students who haven't moved back home and they're staying at their apartments near their school because the idea of being locked up with their parents for weeks on end (laughs) frightens them. So- as parents of pretty much adults you know how do you then have these conversations where they want it's important for them to feel independent yet not cross certain lines
1: well i think most american parents will say well you're under my roof my rules right (laughs) um but i think um that doesn't always work uh, with teenagers and young adults with the teenagers, I think it's really, really, really hard time for them because um, even developmentally the um, at that age is um, more important our friends, right? Friend relationship, peer relationship are so important to them. It's the biggest part of their lives, right? right? Um, and when you don't have that, it's very difficult. So um, I would relax a little bit on kind of screen time because that's how they connect with their friends um, uh, and, you know, these kids don't necessarily talk to their their peers over the phone they FaceTime, they text, you know, right. they use Snapchat. Um, so those are the things that re- are um, sometimes needed and these are the screen times that might be re- relaxed for them. Um, and it is important that they do do have this uh, interaction for their mental well-being. Um, that said, I think um, there are a couple things that you can do um, in terms, and so now now is, this is the age where you can have the family contract, right? right. Um, and so you can have a a family discussion if it's just one child or multiple child and have the chores divided um, and also the, um, you can talk about goals right so, so what are your goals like doing your homework on time is it do you have a project that you would like and it doesn't even have to be academic it can be something like you're building something in your garage or doing your artwork something like that but um in in and these are the kids that can can have a little bit more long-term goals than the three to five year olds so that you can you can talk about well what are your goals i really would like you to feel like you're doing something um productive for yourself so that you don't feel like it's you're wasting your time i think this is a very important portion for a lot of good kids especially seniors um for the those seniors who you know may not get the the end of their, um, graduation, their right. prom, um, these are a big losses in their lives. Right. And as a parent, you might not feel like, well, you know, it's not that big a deal, but you went through it.
0: Right. <laughs> you, we got you, it. So we, it. we can't yeah. say it. Right.
1: Right. So, um, I think part of being a parent for these, uh, age group is to validate their feelings Right. Yes, it must be really, really hard for you. I think it is very sad. Um, I'm sorry that you're having this loss, right? Um, so that you can validate this feeling of, um, sadness and anger in some ways. Um, but at the same time, you, you can talk about your feelings of fear for your child and you can't talk about the fear for your child and what you want your child to do before, um, validating all of their feelings before, right? Yeah. So I think the, those are the important topics that you should have conversation
0: with. Great points. Thank you. And, and on the topic of, of students and school, many families are now having to deal with the fact that they are now, addition, in addition to all the crap that's going on, schools have thrown in a lot of burden on their parents to yeah. take the charge in homeschooling. Mm-hmm. I, I think in a uh, picture-perfect false sense of American dream family where one person works, the other parent isn't. You have many, many rooms in the house. You have a backyard. You have you know, ample internet, everything, right? In, in more of our urban centers, LA, New York, even, even Seattle, that's not reality for a lot of our parents or even families where you don't have room to have separate work areas for mom and dad and, and school areas for children. I don't even want to get into access to internet and, and broadband for students who even have it or even laptops because... Rules are nice, but um, it's challenging. Uh, Yesterday, I I spoke to an international student, and professors are—they didn't think about the fact that you're asking students to go back halfway around the world. And so, are you being cool with expectations of time zones and internet access across different networks and and things? So, how do we as parents deal with not only the frustrations and challenges, but I guess more importantly? The guilt of not being able to do everything for our children, including school and taking care of our own work stuff.
1: I think that guilt is everywhere, whether there is Corona or not. As a parent myself, and I think this is something that I've been dealing with myself as well. My um, to not feel as guilty, <laughs> um, and um, this is something an ongoing process. But I do think that the um, the the important portion of this is for you as a parent to check your own pulse before checking other kids pulse, right? So checking your own um, kind of inner self and mental health and thinking about what really is important in a big perspective and um, something like such a big event like this, where um, everything is really shaken up. Um, The silver lining is that, Perspectives become clear, um, and to at least for me, like what is really important in my life has become much more clear. Right, this health and health of myself, my loved ones, and kind of being with them at the at this uh, time. Um, so that's something that you should focus on um, and not feel guilty about, well, I'm not giving my child organic food <laughs> or I'm not giving my child hundred uh, of, uh, percent of my attention all the time. Um, that's, that's uh, exhausting for you. And um, to think of it, um, to have that kind of um, obsession, obsessive thoughts about, well, I have to be the perfect child, uh, parent. It's going to end up in, a parent that's gonna actually ends up exploding at the end, right? And that's even more detrimental. Another portion is when you do have these feelings, but also when you're not doing everything perfect, you're actually modeling to your child that it's okay. It's okay to feel sad or feel anxious or not be perfect. Um, And that's okay, right? Um, And I think in this world world full of perfectionists, including a lot of the kids that I see and a lot of the Asian American kids that I see, I think it's important for the parent to say, it's okay that you are not going to be 100% all the time because you need some time to back off. And that's how you come back to your work, your life, your child um, with more energy and more, um, more feelings. Right. Um, So if you, change that perspective and say well i need some time off and i don't have to be on all the time um and that is me modeling to my child that life isn't perfect but i get through it i think it makes them makes the parent feel a little bit better
0: i think you bring up an interesting point a very good valid point on expectation and perfection Um, a lot of our older children um, whether they be graduating from high school or particularly from college. Um, they're actually going to, many of them are going to go through an interesting first step into adulthood where yes. the job offers that they thought they had don't exist. Um, some of these companies that they think they're going to work for aren't going to be around in three to four months, um, their world of, and you know, I mean, it's, it's our collective cultures sort of problem too, of just this obsession over achievement and obsession over certain names and logos and schools that we then tie to success and, and pride that's going to get taken away from them schools might change. Right. Um, the things that they think that they've worked so hard for are going to disappear completely out of their control. And I think it's important to continue to remind the parents that this is a good time, maybe for the first time to say, Hey, I'm still proud of you, even though you don't work there. Um, the fact that we're all going to get out of this healthily is what's more important than you going to school there. And, um, it's, we're still early, right? We're still on week three or week four. I think uh, I've experienced varying degrees of emotions and changes and thoughts and every family's dynamic is very different. So um, I I think if there's any silver lining good that can come from all these challenges is like you said, let's redefine not only in our own families, but as a community of what is important and that, you know, uh, very, very short list of schools, very, very short list of job titles, very, very short list of companies don't necessarily define you know, success or, or happiness or even pride of you know, what, what we want our kids to do. So I, I want to shift gears a little bit um, and talk specifically to our friends, uh, your friends and my friends, and uh, many people in our community who are actual frontline healthcare professionals. So I, I don't want to do it injustice. So Uh, This question comes from uh, somebody from the Korean American Mommies group. And um, I'll I'll just read you what she wrote and and give you a chance to respond to that. Um, I am a nurse. I left home a week ago, but we call often. Send groceries, gifts often. Video chat. My four-year-old and seven-year-old are home with their father. And we reinforce our position that we love them very much. Mommy is staying far away till it's safe to be together because of the COVID. Am I scarring them for life? Am I doing enough? Was this decision to leave home prudent and right? Am I being a good mother? I have so many more fears and questions as time slowly ticks by.
1: Oh, that's so disheartening. It's it's like heartbreaking, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, well, first of all, thank you for being out there. I think I have a lot of friends who are. um yeah in the front lines and um, as a child psychiatrist, sometimes I do feel guilty. (laughs) Um, But to answer your questions, um, the short answer is no, you're not scarring them for life. No, you are not a bad mother. You're an amazing mother and a person and you are doing the right thing for the safety of your children and for yourself. Um, I I would have to say uh, the long answer is um, the kids are very resilient. I think that's one of the things I love about being in child psychiatry. Um, be, um, the thing that, uh, you know, I, a lot of people ask me like, well, how can you do this job? You see so much bad in the world. And that is true. I, I see a lot of bad things that's happened to children. I do see a lot of people who might actually be evil <laughs> in some sense, sense um, to hurt their cho- hurt the children. But um, what gets me going is the resilience of these children. Um, And uh, your kids might be sad, they might be a little bit confused, doesn't mean that you're scarring them. They uh, are going to be fine once you come back. Um, You know, they might have some worries and they might uh, have tantrums because things are not the same. But when you do come back and things do settle down, it'll be better. Um, I think one of the things that you can do, um, and I think it's, it goes kind of hand-in-hand with the perspective change for, you, for the uh, mom, um, and is that you can talk to your children, um, not about how you feel guilty, but I think you can talk about what you are doing, uh, why you're choosing to do this job, um, because you're serving other people, and that it gives you joy, um, and, you know, sense of duty. And in the meantime, I also have the sense of duty for you, you children. And that's why I do have to keep you safe. And even though it is a very sad thing, we will be back together, uh, in, in, in a little while. And I think that perspective, I think, um, is very important for the mom, but also for children to hear because, um, What you think and what you verbalize, they soak it up. Right. So I think it's important for them to learn this optimistic view. It's not false. Um, So we don't do um, any false uh, facts because I think that's that really comes and fights us in the back for little children. But to uh, let them know that this is something that um, I am doing because I love you and I love others. And um, that that is something that they're gonna carry on for the rest of their life. And I think that you're really kind of teaching them really big lesson in a very young age that's gonna be ingrained in them. And that's really important to think about.
0: And as friends, siblings, family members of some of these frontline healthcare folks who are going through these challenging times, what are some things that we can do you you keep hearing stories from friends and just heart-wrenching stories of, you know, lack of equipment and exhaustion and as as it spreads the likelihood that somebody you directly know is going to get impacted by this, we, we are limited in our options. We can't go babysit for them. We can't, you know, go go take them to dinner and, and relieve that stress for them. Are, are there things that we can be doing to help them through these times?
1: Yes. So I think the biggest thing is um, it, with this um, shelter-in-place and people being um, at frontline. The biggest thing people talk about is the isolation and feeling, um, you know, lonely in in some ways. And I think for frontline um, healthcare workers, I think it is very lonely because um, not everybody knows what they go through and what kind of feelings they have, and so. I think the biggest thing that you can do is actually connect with them. Um, you know, text them. Um, you know, call them if they have the time. But just to let them know that they're you're there, and it doesn't even have to be like you. You you don't have to say, "Well, I'm here for you." I, I'm just checking on you, and I'm here if you want to talk. Um, I think that those those are very powerful words, and um, even if the person never needed to talk to you. The fact that you offered is very important to them and that really goes a long way. Yeah, in terms of concrete uh, help, I think, you can you can also have face time with their kids um checking on your on the kids um you know if they need some groceries sometimes i've had friends who uh do deliveries um you don't have to meet in person but th- there are things that you can do but i think the biggest thing is just to let them know that you're thinking of them and that we know that you're working hard and it's really hard
0: yeah and if you are uh one of these folks and you're listening to this thank you um yeah, it's it's a challenging time for a lot of us. A lot of kids too are dealing with everything that we're dealing with. Um, adults can uh, verbally express stress, anxiety, and and things like that. Um, one of the parents in the mommy's group uh, has at, at, you know mentioned that she sees her child um, exhibiting stress um, through stomach pain um, mm-hmm. and other physical ailments. Um, how, how do we, and obviously we're not you know, uh, encouraging folks to go see doctors for non-emergency reasons during this challenging time. But, um, what, what are some signs that we can, we can see and, and how do we help, um, kids who may not be able to express that so, f- uh, concretely and how to deal with that?
1: Yeah. So all kids, even, well, the younger kids, the younger the kids are they're, they're difficult, uh, to, they have difficulty expressing their feelings A lot of times it's just, I'm happy, angry, and there's nothing in between. Um, But also even, uh, I find even older ones like in middle school and high school, sometimes they don't know how to express their, how they feel and sometimes they don't know how to do that. Um, A lot of the, the younger the kids are, they're gonna uh, uh, manifest their anxiety as behaviors and somatic symptoms. So a lot of the kids will have um, uh, chronic belly ache chronic headaches. Um, if these are kind of uh, more routine and you can't really figure out why what's going on, sometimes it can be due to anxiety. Um, Behavioral-wise, the younger kids will start having some more tantrums, um, kind of like this chronic irritability where anything can set them off. Um, uh, these are kind of signs of anxiety. They're not angers. They just can't contain that kind of feeling and not be able to express it verbally. Um, In terms of how to help them, I think number one thing is that you can talk about worries um, as something that is common. Everybody worries about coronavirus, right? It's very difficult. So you can normalize these worries with them. um, And you can say, well, you know, sometimes mommy does, mommy also gets worried about these things too. But you know what? these things um, kind of come in and then I kick them out. <laughs> um, so one of the key thing for younger children is to talk about worries as um, something that is not inherent to them. So I talk a lot about worries and, uh, and say, well, you know, you're know, you talking about, well, what if mommy dies? What if daddy gets into a car accident? Those are your worry heads talking to you. They're not gonna happen to, but they're just talking to you. And what you need to do is you have to fight them off. And how do we do that? you grow confidence and you learn about, um, you know, virus and say, well, these are the things that we do to protect ourselves and kick them out. So so information is very important. Information, Adequate information, so not too much information, but adequate information at that age is going to be very, very important. Also, um, uh, universally, the uh, general recommendation for kids, including teenagers and young adults, and even for myself, um, limit... Your news, and, um, so yes, you 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 know you might need to see some news, but don't be on all it right. forever because that really makes you um, anxious. So those are the things that you can do to help with the children.
0: This next topic is something very personal to all of us, um, something that we wish we didn't have to talk about, um, but it is the uh, rise in racism, uh, both exhibited online and in person, Um, the racism and the hate crimes that are unfortunately uh, getting more common. Um, Good benefit for some of our younger children is that we are keeping them safe at home and we are not subjecting them to potential bullying and violence at their schools. The downside is that still very, very, very many children are online for school and for social reasons where there may be uh being picked on or you know being told very very hateful things um how do we support them how do we how do you even tell them that it's not their fault and it's so hard because i I think kids might start to blame themselves or um undo all the work that we're trying to do which is to instill a healthy pride of our identity and just feeling good about who we are and who we represent. Um, I'm really scared that a lot of the kids going through this now are going to start resenting their identity and the color of their skin and what they look like, because it is the source of so much pain. And like I said, we're just, we're not even at the, the, the top of it right now. I think it's going to get worse for a little bit, but um, help, help the parents have those conversations with with the kids
1: so uh, very little ones, I would protect them first. Um, but once the kids are in, um, you know, kind of older elementary school and on, I think these are, these are the topics that you do have to talk about. The worst thing you can do is silence about it, right? So if you don't talk about it and you know pretend like it's not there, um, that's the worst thing you can do. The studies on racism and xenophobia and its effect on mental health um, is kind of actually pretty uh, solid. Um, and it's very interesting because um, the second generation Im- immigrant families um, actually have higher uh, mental uh, health difficulties, rate higher rates of mental health difficulties than the immigrant parents who are first generation in terms of acculturation and racism and xenophobia. And they think it's because the first the parents, they came to a different country. They expect some, <laughs> some things that can be very difficult. Whereas the second generation who were born and raised here, they don't expect that kind of behaviors from other people because you belong to America, right? And it is a very uh, crude awakening when these things happen. Um, in the past, I think we talked a lot, um, a lot about microaggression and how that really takes a toll on a person. Um, unfortunately, with coronavirus now, I wouldn't say it's microaggression anymore. Unfortunately, it, it, you know, it's a macroaggression um, at its worst, and sometimes your own safety really matters and so these are the things that you do have to talk to to your children um, for kids who have already experienced this, this is something that you're going to have to talk about and that, that there are people who do um, see things differently, And but what we need to do is we, we that's one of the reasons that we have to talk about it so that it does not continue. And those are the kind of things that you can do with young adults and high school kids. Um, the kids who haven't had encounters, but we you want to have a forum to talk about, then you can talk about general things and you can also talk a little bit about what's been Happening. You don't have to talk about really graphic things, but you can talk about things because there are, um, you know, news media coverage about these things. And so, for even older elementary school kids or middle school kids, this is something that you do have to talk about in a kind of historical and political sense, as an education. But also, you can talk about your own experience as an Asian American um, parent and what your own experience was like. And and I think you also have to kind of talk about, well, with this, um, we talked a little bit about this before, but the fact that even though the silver lining of this whole Asian Americans um, being discriminated against for due to certain things, is that a lot of people are mobilizing, right? They're mobilizing and they're um, participating in activism and we're not a model minority anymore, um, that we have to have a voice. These are the things that people are really voicing nowadays and it's gonna come to some, some results and that's gonna continue on. So you have to talk about what what is happening, but also what is gonna happen and what you hope to happen with your children so that they can have some sense of who we are and some sense of kind of what is safe for them.
0: And for the parents, and parents especially of kids turning 18 on November 3rd or later, get them to vote. Um, I think this is the perfect time to have that conversation of let's prevent people in office, or let's prevent the people staying in office or people we put into office who encourage or silently condone this type of behavior because it's, it's not funny anymore. It's, it's serious and physically hurting people that look like me and you. So not to make a big political rant about it, but um, stop justifying the support of certain people for whatever you believe in, because at the end of the day, if this doesn't convince you that they don't actually care about people like you and me, I, I don't know what will. So... With that being said, really grateful for your perspectives. And I want to end with just a general talk on us, parents. As as you alluded to earlier, part of being a parent, part more of being an Asian-American parent is selflessness. You know, sacrificing everything for us, for the good of the family, for the good of our kids. Many of us are feeling just ragged, um, exhausted, tired. Either you're working or you're watching the kids. And if you're not, then you're worried about our own parents or our friends. Like so, for many people out there, this might be the very first time that you and your spouse have been in the same house for <laughs> long periods of time, and there are conflicts. Um, and again, you know, intermarriage dynamics might be a, a different topic for another very long conversation. But um, how do we as parents prioritize? our own mental and emotional well-being? What are some practical things that we can ask our kids to help with? Um, because we've, I don't think very many of us have asked our kids to help us with this. But if we don't, after a few weeks or even a few months of this, we're, we're going to do a lot of mental and emotional damage to ourselves that I think is going to be very hard to recover from. And the amount of anger and resentment towards maybe our children or our spouse um how, how do we avoid that from becoming a reality
1: um well you can definitely ask for some time alone um not just for, from your spouse but from your children uh, and it, it can be even for as young as three-year-old. Um, and it'll be shorter <laughs> for a three-year-old. But um, you can tell them and talk about it and say, well, I need a little time alone. Is it okay if I go and uh, lay down for myself? But I think in general, um, as a parent, you, what you need, this is self-care, right? Um, um, my, dealing with a lot of um, parents and children, my motto is happy moms make happy children. So, if you are stressed, if you are irritable, uh, you're not, even if you try, you're not going to be your best self, anyways. And um, you don't have to be there 100%. Most kids will do okay on their own for, you know, five, ten 10 minutes to an hour to two hours, depends on the child. If you need the time to go take a bath, or if you go need to, you know, do a a 15-minute series of, you know, episode of something, Um, you can do that. Um, I always talk about this with my um, kids' parents, um, um, because when you fly in an airplane and you, um, you are listening to their safety measures, they always tell you, put your own mask on first before you put other people's mask on, because if you are drowning or if you are suffocating, you can't help others. So self-care for parents are going to be so important. And you can do this with your spouse as well so that you can divide some times and have alone time for yourself and vice versa. Um, and that's going to be really important in not just taking care of your spouse, not just taking care of your children, but also with your loved ones, your parents. You need, to, you need your time to decompress.
0: Thank you. Um, this has been... I think this is like the second conversation we've had where I feel like I've gotten uh, some, some great advice and great perspective on, on things for myself that I can work on. Um, for the parents listening out there, thank you for taking the time to learn about how we can be better parents. I think in, in a world right now where everything is uh, clawing for our attention because everything seems urgent, you know, I've gotten some very, very, very great feedback from friends and strangers alike on our first conversation uh, and, and the help and the perspective that it provided. Um, so I wanna thank you for for you know providing that for us and then for the community, which um, I, I think, again, this is one of the very, very few um, great things that will come out of this is, it's okay to talk about these things. I, I am seeing it more from the dudes. Um, if you're a dad listening to this, did extra congratulations. For whatever reason, the way we were raised, societal expectations, whatever it is, um, if this is our first time stepping up to take equal opportunity and equal responsibility for the mental and emotional and physical well-being of our children, um, what a great time to do it! Um, it's not easy, but I, I think it is. Um, you know, we have a gift. Um, something that I think you and I talked about after the last show recording was taking this time to have uh, discussions or topics that we would never otherwise have. Um, You know, I don't, for, for, I I can't imagine when I was in high school or college just running busy, you know, running around being busy. If I had two, three weeks, four weeks at home with my parents (laughs) after like the first couple of weeks of just massive turbulence, you know, like you just got to accept the fact that you guys are stuck and that, you know, watch something together, talk about something together. Thank you. I know uh, for a fact that, People listening to this have gotten great value out of it um, and, and know whether you are a frontline healthcare worker um, drowning in guilt and also physical exhaustion or whether you are a first-time parent just not knowing what the hell to do. Um, you are not alone. Absolutely no way. You, you are not alone. Even if you are the first of your friend group to have kids and you feel like you have nobody to talk to, there are people to reach out to. Um, my wife belongs to a number of different mommies groups on Facebook, which are extremely supportive and caring communities. Find them, join them. Um, pretty sure there's not as many resources for dads to get together and have fruitful conversations. Then hell, start one. Invite me to it. Invite other guys to it. Why not? You know, I, I think it is. We we need to be there for each other to get through these things together. And, and digital connection in the age of social distancing um, will be really awesome any Any final thoughts before I, I don't know if we're gonna have a part three of this maybe in a couple of weeks, but <laughs> at, at least for now um, any any final thoughts?
1: Well, I think just just keep safe, healthy, and take care of yourselves. I think those are the three things that I would love to have everybody be um, that's all
0: Thank you, dr. Cho so much um, did hear the baby whimpering in the background a little bit, so I know. Uh, You have other more pressing matters uh, to take care of this afternoon. So uh, from me, from my wife, and and all of our friends, thank you so much. And uh, you be well as yourself and um, to brighter days and to um, hopefully better, healthier, both mentally and physically, Asian American families for a lot of us. So thank you. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Cho. A lot of great tips. So much great advice and perspective. I know it's a challenging time for many out there dealing with kids, just being at home with everybody and the new realities that might last a few weeks or even longer. So if you enjoy the episode, if you enjoy the conversation, please share this out with fellow parents. And if you're not a parent, but you still enjoyed it, send this along to somebody else uh, that might get value out of uh, listening to uh, this conversation. As always follow us on Instagram at dear Asian Americans, Subscribe if you haven't already on Apple. Leave us a review there. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever you may listen to your podcast. And if you or somebody you know would like to be a guest on this show, please let me know. And we would love to make that happen. Dear Asian Americans, stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane, and I'll see you guys next time.